You're listening to Love and War with David Harwood. This is a weekly podcast where David offers spiritual insights that are aimed to enhance your relationship with God, yourself, and others. If you are edified by what you hear, please recommend this podcast to people you love. Now, here's David. This week I want to briefly examine the topics of the fullness of God and the fullness of Jesus' life. Once again, I will be loosely using the Tree of Life version, and we will continue by touching upon the topic of the fullness of God, the fullness of God. So as I continue to look into this blog post, I wrote, I find it to be amazing that being filled with the fullness of God is not something that can be achieved. We can't fast enough. We can't serve enough. We can't pray enough, confess enough, believe enough to achieve being filled with the fullness of God. Fullness, according to Paul, is something which is received, not achieved. And fullness is received through knowing Jesus's love. Ephesians 3 verses 19 and 20. Paul told them of his prayer for them. And he wrote, his prayer was that they would know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now, we want this. We want to be filled with the fullness of God. And this goal may sound somewhat nebulous. What does fullness look like? When speaking about the fullness of the Creator, one is talking about something that is immeasurable. How can we see what this fullness looks like? Well, we get hints of what fullness of God looks like in humanity through the Incarnation. The fullness of God is most clearly seen in Yeshua. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For all the fullness of deity lives bodily in him. Our Father delighted in having all the fullness of God dwell in the man, Jesus. The incarnate creator was filled by the Father with what Paul called fullness. If we want to see what the fullness of God looks like in interaction with humanity, we look at the Messiah. Colossians 1 verses 19 through 20a, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, making peace through the blood of his cross. When we look, what do we see? What do we see of this fullness? Well, we see in the Messiah Jesus, relational, holy maturity. We see integrity, power over nature and the adversary. We see God incarnate, loving people. We could go on and on in describing how wonderful Jesus is. Well, that's what the fullness of God looks like. And we long to see this fullness through the community of believers. At this time, we don't. Yet fullness is promised. Now, what do I mean? Let's look at just two promises in John's gospel. Here's the section of scripture. 
John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Amen, amen, I tell you. He who puts his trust in me, the works that I do, he will do. And greater than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, in the first promise that I want to examine, we have the Messiah Jesus' word that he himself will answer prayers. This is in verses 13 and 14 of John 14. The Lord is quoted by John as saying, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Reiterating, he says, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, look at the preceding promise, because this is the second promise in that section. The preceding promise was this. The Lord said that those who believe in him will do the same works he did. That's in verse 14, the first part of it. Amen, amen, I tell you. He who puts his trust in me, the works that I do, he will do. And greater than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Now, please note, I ignored the second part of this prophetic promise, that believers will do even greater works. The same works that Jesus did would be sufficient to demonstrate the fullness of the promised kingdom of God. Those same works that Jesus did would be sufficient to indicate that there is a living God and that what it is that he is like can be manifest in these works. Now, I'm not going to get into other manifestations of fullness that are either not seen or only sporadically seen in the community of believers. It would take up too much time, but let it be established that God's fullness looks like Jesus and the Messiah's community is to resemble its Lord. The body is connected to the head and the head expresses itself through its body. So again, let me pose this question. What can be done so that the believing community is filled up to all the fullness of God? Remember, various remedies have been offered by earnest and reliable spiritual guides, but Paul said that the key to experience this is to know the Messiah's love. Ephesians 3.19, and to know the love of Messiah which surpasses knowledge so you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Well, that seems too good to be true. In fact, Paul recognized that it's unbelievable, quote-unquote unbelievable, and sought to bring his disciples' vision beyond what they believed was possible. Ephesians 3 verses 19 and 20, to know the love of Messiah which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us, and he goes on to ascribe glory to the Lord in our fellowship in, and in the Messiah. But here's what it is that I'm trying to say. In the midst of this wonderful doxology, 
Paul is saying that God is able to release and manifest the fullness of God in the body of believers through the knowledge of the love of Jesus. The Messiah's emissary wrote that our God is able to do above and beyond all we are able to ask or think. And note the context of Paul's praise. He is celebrating this. Through knowing God's love, the believing community will be filled with all the fullness of God. The believing community throughout the world in this time, we are on a pilgrimage and God is revealing more and more of his solid love to us. And the result of it is going to be a greater manifestation of the fullness of God in our lives. Let us say Amen. Moving on to the second topic today, speaking about the fullness of the Messiah Jesus' life. Let's begin by saying that the community of believers fulfills the roles of Jesus' manifest presence and dynamic activity in the world. Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23, it's written, God placed all things under Messiah's feet and appointed him as head over all things for his community, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Strategically, our Father has determined to pursue his goal of filling the cosmos with his goodness through giving the Messiah to be head over all things to his community of believers. Now, there is a difference between omnipresence and manifest presence, and that difference flies in the face of those who are intellectual or those who are mystical. Uh, here's uh, something from a poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. The, the poem is named Aurora Lee, and it illustrates this confusion. Uh, this was written. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. Now, Paul also thought that he had vision. And then he had an open-eye vision and was blinded. His knowledge of God up to that point was primarily intellectual. But after he received his sight, he knew God's manifest presence. Acts 9 verse 17, Ananias left and entered into the house. This is the house where Saul was staying. Laying hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Yeshua, the one who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like Paul, those who know the manifest presence of God honor God's omnipresence. Acts 17 verse 28, Paul said, For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. However, those who are familiar with the biblical narrative know there was only one bush amongst all the bushes on the planet that was ablaze with God's presence. In Exodus chapter 3 verses 2 and 3, it's written, Then the angel of the Lord, the angel of Adonai, appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. 
So he looked and saw the bush burning with fire, yet it was not consumed. Moses thought, I will go now and see this great sight. Why is the bush not burnt? The Lord's people are to be ablaze with God. The Father has determined that the manifest presence of the Messiah would be present in the community of disciples. The fullness of him who fills all in all with himself is intended to be experienced in the believing community. Why might this take place? Because the people of God are increasingly grasping the love of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians 3 verses 19 and 20 to know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. How can this be? Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us. That's how it will happen. Through the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of the Messiah's love, God is able to release this fullness. Let's grasp this together. The omnipresent God in whom we live, move, and exist loves us. Let's seek to consciously live, move, and exist in his love. As we do, we will be the location within creation where the creator's fullness resides. Let's agree with the scriptures, prioritize knowing Jesus' love, and let's see what happens. Please, persistently petition that the Messiah's love would be understood and experientially known by your leaders and those with whom you share life. And let's trust that God will answer our prayers. Wait, trust, and see. Love and War is written and presented by David Harwood. Editing is by David and Sammy Avino, who is also the producer and technical advisor for the podcast. David is the pastor of Restoration Fellowship in Glencove, New York, and the author of the books, God's True Love and For the Sake of the Fathers. To purchase copies of David's books, please go to loveofgodproject.org. The theme song for this podcast is Skirmish, from the album Combustion which was written and performed by Leonard Jones. Additional episodes of Love and War can be downloaded on the Podbean app or through iTunes. For more information on Love and War, Restoration Fellowship, God's True Love, or For the Sake of the Fathers, visit us on restorationfellowshipny.com, loveofgodproject.org, book.forthesakeofthefathers.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at Restoration Fellowship NY, Love of God Project, Love and War DH, and For the Sake of the Fathers. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email David at loveandwar underscore dh at yahoo.com. As always, please remember to share Love and War and support us by leaving a positive review on iTunes and Podbean.